Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Well, thanks for joining us. I hope that you're enjoying this series. Uh, We've heard from a lot of you who are either reading the book or in little tiny micro book clubs or nano clubs or whatever you want to call it, like meeting and talking about this, and it's exciting. You know, It's, it's nice to start the year with this clean slate. I know that nothing has changed other than a calendar page that flipped, and yet there's a little bit more hope and optimism when you start a new year. You have fresh goals and new ways of doing things, and so we're trying to help all of us establish some healthy habits. And this series is talking about seven habits to transform your life. In week one, as we said, we talked about habit number one, flip the script. If you want to change your life, start by changing your story. There's a script that each of us tend to live by in the way that we respond to things. And it's as simple as saying, you know what, this story that once used to be true about me no longer has to be true about me. You can flip the script. Week two, may I talk about kiss the wave. The obstacle is not the enemy. The obstacle is the way. We tend to be obstacle averse, don't we? Sometimes we want to like find the, the path of least resistance. I, I'm right there with you. You know, it's, you don't want to go through unnecessary obstacles. However, obstacles and challenges and difficulties are part of what shape us and mold us into who we are. Week three, we talked about eating the frog. Eating the frog, which is kind of based on an idea from uh, Mark Twain, who said that, you know, if you have to eat a frog, you know, do it first thing in the morning so it's done and out of your way. So whatever difficult thing that you've been putting off, to, uh, to just tackle it and just take steps towards making that happen. I mean, I've, I've heard from some of you just something as simple as like, you know, I've been putting off refinancing, you know, my house, getting a better interest rate just because I know it's kind of intimidating, all the paperwork, and I decide I was going to eat the frog. And that's fantastic, you know. So whatever it is, big or small, uh, spiritual or not, you know, there are things that we put off because, you know, that we just don't feel like doing it now, Right. But yet, God entrusts us with the very real steps of doing things so that he can move in our lives to do the supernatural things. And then uh, last week, we talked about uh, flying the kite. How you do anything is how you will do everything. Now, for this, uh, this week, for this habit, I want to talk about, or I want to introduce this habit with a story. In 1853, America hosted its first World Fair in New York City. The organizers built this beautiful exhibition hall known as the Crystal Palace, and this is where the latest and the greatest inventions were showcased. And for that time and era in human history, like this was where you went to see all the latest gadgets, all the coolest, most futuristic things. Like today it might be CES or something like that, you know. Uh, but for, for people living in the, in the 1800s there, in mid-1800s, this was the place to be to see all the new things that happened. This was also where a man named Elijah Otis, who had a killer beard, by the way, 
uh, pulled off one of the most remarkable stunts in the history of the World's Fair. Because he was not just an inventor, he was actually someone who was able to capitalize on human curiosity and use a salesmanship in, in such a way to convince people to look past what they saw as obstacles. Otis was the inventor of the safety elevator brake. Now you may have, I would say probably most of us, if not all of us, have ridden an elevator and you would have maybe if you're in there, especially if you're going up a lot of floors, you're kind of like looking around and you know, especially if there's other people in there, you know, the rule is you don't make eye contact because it's like kind of awkward, you know, and you only got about 30 to 40 seconds and you know, now Matt is in an elevator like by the time he gets off, he knows everything about their family and where they went to school and they find like four mutual friends. But for the rest of us, we're kind of like, you know, doing the head down thing or maybe you're staring at the wall and maybe you would have seen a plate on the wall, uh, Otis Elevators. Otis Elevators is the largest uh, elevator manufacturer. And he, uh, uh, Elijah Otis, developed this safety elevator brake. But he was having a hard time selling his invention to his safety-first skeptics. And so it was time to go big or go home. So he stood on an elevator platform hoisted high enough for everybody in the exhibition hall to see him. So remember this crystal palace where he was at. Picture him pulling this stunt off. So he hoisted himself up on this elevator platform high enough for everyone to see him. Otis had positioned an axeman above the elevator and he cued him to cut the rope. The elevator fell but only a few feet and the crowd let out a collective gasp. And Elijah Otis pronounced, all safe ladies and gentlemen, all safe. I'm looking at that. What is that? Can we zoom in on that a little bit there? Oh, Bernie Sanders. How'd you get there? Bernie Sanders is everywhere, it seems, there, even in the 1853 World Fair. So, <laughs> you know, by the way, I, have you seen this meme there? The, those pictures you see without Bernie Sanders, that was when he was carrying you. <laughs> yes. All right, back to Elijah Otis. When Elijah Otis pulled off this unforgettable stunt, this unforgettable sales pitch. He, uh, there, there were only a few buildings in New York City that were taller than five stories, it, which made sense. I mean, like, we don't like climbing stairs, do we, right? Like, it's very difficult, you get very winded climbing stairs, and especially in, you know, the 1800s when everybody's like all dressed the, you know, suits and all the other stuff there, you know, picture being a businessman and having to climb five, six sets of stairs. So obviously all of the, all the buildings were relatively short. No one wanted to climb the stairs, and it was next to impossible to rent top floor real estate. Top floor real estate was actually the cheapest, most accessible, and the ground floor was the most desirable. Then in 1854, Otis installed an elevator in a building on Broadway, and the rest is history. By 1890, there were 10 buildings taller than 10 stories. By 1900, there were 65 buildings taller than 20 stories. And by 1908, there were 538 buildings in New York City that qualified as what we now know as, as skyscrapers. Higher floors all of a sudden started producing higher revenues. As long as you didn't have to climb the stairs, everyone wanted the tallest floor with a view. Elijah Otis had turned the world upside down. He didn't just invent the safety elevator break. He made the modern skyscraper possible. And at last count today, New York City has 58,000 elevators. 
Those elevators, we're told, make 11 billion trips every year. And that's just in New York City. According to the Otis Elevator Company, the equivalent of the entire world's population rides on their products every three days. All because Elijah Otis had the courage to cut the rope. This week's habit that we're talking about is cutting the rope. Playing it safe is not always safe. Sometimes playing it safe is risky, and playing it safe may be the last thing you need to do. Now, let's clarify here. When we're talking about this, I'm not saying go to Vegas, drain your 401k, and like bet it all you know, on the slot machines there. That's stupid and not smart. That's the wrong kind of risk that we're talking about here. What we're talking about is in life, there are times when we are caught between where we are and where we know we are supposed to be. And the only thing connecting us is this metaphorical rope, this thing that tethers us safely to the past that we know, this comfortable past that we are comfortable with. And we don't want to let go, do we? It's scary to cut the rope. But had Elijah Otis not had the courage to demonstrate his product in that remarkable way, he would not have been able to start a revolution in the modern building industry that we have today that has given us tens of thousands of elevators because he had the courage to cut the rope. In 2012, author Doug Sunheim, he wrote this book called Taking Smart Risks. And it's primarily for a business audience, but there's a lot in here that is applicable for all of us, whether you are in business or not. How sharp leaders win when the stakes are high. I want to read this segment to you, and I want to read this in its entirety, because this little section that I read earlier this week, I felt was worth repeating to you verbatim as uh, Doug shared this. He says this. He said, the dangers of taking too much risk are very clear. We're reminded of them in the news every day. Businesses, families, and individuals are ruined in shocking fashion. We see headlines like this, 150-year-old bank and pillar of Wall Street gone in the blink of an eye. Major oil company loses 90 billion in market value in three months. Or kite surfer tries his luck in a hurricane and slams into a building. Astounding lapses in judgment are everywhere. The warnings of overambitious risks are clear. Watch yourself and don't do anything stupid. Unfortunately, we rarely hear about the warnings about playing it safe. We don't see the news headlines that say, low-risk approach forces local business to file for bankruptcy. Or stunningly conservative move pushes global pharmaceutical company to the brink of failure. Or man retires after mediocre career and feels painful remorse never having laid anything on the line. We don't see those headlines, do we, right? The, uh, the dangers of playing it safe, they aren't sudden, they aren't obvious, and they're not dramatic, Doug writes. They don't make headlines. They develop slowly over time and are almost impossible to pinpoint. The fact often makes them more dangerous than the high-profile missteps that we see and we hear about in the news because like a slow leak in a tire, you don't see or feel these dangers on a daily basis. 
You only become aware of them when you realize that you're stuck and you're not really sure how it happened. The dangers, he writes, of playing it safe are hidden, silent killers. This is true in business. Every business, I would venture to say, that we think of as a successful business has at some point in their history had to go out on a limb, had to take some pretty significant risks. I believe it was last year around this time, we, I kind of shared like a synopsis of a few different stories. You know, the beginning, uh, you know, with Bill Gates going from this incredible failure to starting Microsoft, uh, the early days of FedEx, and how they had to, basically they were down to like $15,000 in their bank account. Um, there, there's stories over and over that we know of from the successful businesses who made some incredible risks that went on to create some incredible products and services. But like Doug Sunheim says, there are countless more. I would say for every one business that we know of, there's probably a hundred businesses that you and I have never heard of. Why? Because somewhere along the line, they were faced with the challenge of, do I, do I take this risk? Do we stretch to go to the next level? And they decided that it was smarter and safer to play it safe than to take a risk. And that safety oftentimes backfires because safe doesn't lead to stories, does it? Brave makes stories. Stepping out in faith, taking risks, cutting the rope. And what Doug is talking about here is, I think, especially applicable to all of us because this is not just true if we're in the business world. This is true in our personal lives, too. You can probably think of a time in your life where you had to make a bold move, where you had to take a risk. Maybe it was asking your spouse to marry you. And maybe you were really apprehensive, like you didn't know if they would say yes. Maybe it was that decision to apply to that university that you felt was like way outside of you, your comfort level. Maybe it was that decision to move away from your hometown. Maybe it was that decision to, to break a connection with a business or a friendship. There are risks that we take and we can look back on and we, we in hindsight, say, you know, I'm so glad I took that risk. But we probably could also think of times that we played it safe, and we slowly fizzled into obscurity, and that decision came back to haunt us later. It's that idea of being stuck that Doug talks about. You see, all of us have been stuck at some point in our lives, haven't we? We know what that feels like. You might even feel that right now. You may feel like right now, where you are in your life, you feel completely stuck. Like, your past is behind you, your future is uncertain, and you're just not sure what to do. And when you're stuck, you're paralyzed, you're unable to move forward with your life. So let's look at a story from scriptures that we're probably all familiar with. The children of Israel, there was a period of time where they were stuck in the wilderness. This is a story that you are all familiar with from the uh, account in Deuteronomy. The Lord God said to us at Horeb, said to us, this is kind of told from the perspective of the children of Israel. Lord God said to us at Horeb, you've stayed long enough at this mountain. Now, God is trying to get 
his people to, to move on. He's called them out of their past, out of the land of Egypt, and they're grateful. They're happy to no longer be in slavery. However, they're not where they're supposed to be yet. They're in this in-between. They're in this limbo. And God is saying, it's time to move on. You've stayed long enough at this mountain. You see, you and I, we're, we're lured by the appeal of comfort and routine, aren't we? We don't want to cut the rope because we're, we're too comfortable where we're at. If you don't believe this is true about you, have you ever woken up in your house, like, you know, if you're like me, like, we, we like sleeping in a cold room, Lisa and I. Like, we're one of those crazy people. We turn the temperature in our thermostat in our house, like, way, way down. We'll turn down to, like, 60, and then, like, in the middle of the winter, like, we'll open our windows because, like, like the colder the better. And I sleep really good when it's cold. And it's great up until the morning, isn't it? Because you know what it's like to try to get out of a nice, warm, cozy bed when it's so cold out. I, I think of like camping, you know, it's the same thing. I sleep sometimes like a baby when I'm camping because it's nice and cold. But then, man, in the morning, I'm like, I got to get up. I got to make a fire and it's going to be like cold. I'm going to be cold for like 20, 30 minutes until that fire gets going. And it's so comfortable in this sleeping bag, and it's so cozy, and I'll just stay here for another five minutes. And five minutes turns into 15, turns into 20. It's really difficult to move past what we're comfortable with, isn't it? We're lulled into a sense of complacency. Or, uh, or we're lulled um, into a complacent, easygoing place where we don't want to move. And we don't want to cut the rope because we're just too comfortable where we're at. This is where the children of Israel were. God says, it's time to move on. You've stayed long enough. Get moving. Verse 7, break camp and advance into the hill country. He was asking them to interrupt what had become their normal routine and to do something different. He was essentially asking them to cut the rope. All right, you've been waking up every day by this mountain. You've been going to sleep every night by this mountain. You're staying in these tents, but these tents have been pitched in the same place for day after day, week after week, it's time to move on. It's time to move from this mountain and go into the hill country. So what did the children of Israel say? Sure, God, where you send us, we will go. We will follow where you lead. Now, we know the story, don't we? They grumbled and complained. But you, you were unwilling to go up, the children of Israel. You, as the children of Israel, you were unwilling to step out of your comfort zone. You rebelled against the command of the Lord, your God. Most of us know what that feels like because we are unwilling to take that next step out of the comfortable and into the unknown. We're unwilling to take the step out of where we are to where we know we are supposed to be, and we would rather stay where we are at. We'd ra rather pull the blankets up around us and stay nice and cozy and comfortable under the blankets instead of stepping out and greeting the day. Verse 27, you grumbled in your tents, Israel. You grumbled and you said, the Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. This is also familiar to us, right? Because when we're, when we're caught in this in-between of where we're supposed to be from where we are, 
We begin to make excuses, don't we, about why we shouldn't move. We begin to tell ourselves a story. This kind of goes back to week one, you know, that, that, that script that we're reading off of. And it's time to flip that script. Those who struggle to cut the rope often hide behind their excuses. For every successful business person out there, we could find 100 people who are running very average, very mediocre businesses, and they may be comfortable, but they are not doing what they can or should be doing because the risk of changing, of stepping out in the unknown is so scary that they would rather play it safe than to risk big. Friends, I don't know what it is in your life right now that maybe you're contemplating of where you need to be, what that next thing is for you. And it may not be something huge, but it may just be a next step of some sorts. And maybe you've been really timid about kind of struggling to go into that next step. And maybe you've begun to tell yourself a story about all the dangers inherent in that risk. You begin to tell a story and you begin to grumble and complain and, and make up this story that feels so real to you and we begin to hide behind our excuses. Dear old Mark Twain, he says it this way. He said, I'm an old man and I've known a great many troubles, but most of them have never happened. We, we can make up all these terrible things that are going to happen. We can tell ourselves stories about why we shouldn't cut the rope. And we can convince ourselves that where we are is safe, it's comfortable, and it's probably where we should stay. But God often calls us to step out of the comfortable into the unknown, to follow him into what's new. Verse 28 in Deuteronomy chapter 1 where can we go? Our brothers have made us lose heart. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there, these giants in the land. So you can begin to see this thought process working its way out for the children of Israel. God says, it's time to leave the mountainside. It's time to venture into the hill country. It's time to keep moving. And so you say, well, I don't know. I mean, have you seen what's out there? Have you, do you know how dangerous it is to wander around in the wilderness? I mean, they're stronger than we are. They're taller than we are. Their cities are large and expansive with walls up to the sky. I mean, really, God, let's just be practical. Where we're at is pretty good. It's not great, but you know what? It's better than where we were. And why don't we just stay here? Why do we need to risk stepping out where we could be hurt? Why don't we just stay here? It's comfortable. And, and the reality is this. There is an inherent risk to trying new things. There is. But guess what? You need to try them anyway. You may step out and you might fail. Step out anyway. You may take a risk, and it may backfire in your face. Take it anyway, and keep risking. Keep stepping out. This passage from Ecclesiastes, we read during that same message series last year, and I love this verse because it's kind of a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Ecclesiastes 10, when you dig a well, you might fall in. When you demolish an old wall, you could be bitten by a snake. 
not exactly the kind of verse that you kind of print out and pin to your bathroom mirror to encourage you in the morning, right? But it's true, isn't it? When you try to do new things, it might not work out. You could take a risk, and that risk could backfire. Keep taking that risk anyway. Because the moment that we settle for the safe, the comfortable, the familiar, the moment that we stop changing is the moment we begin to die. If we want to experience what God has for us, we need to step out. Matt and I could tell you stories, not that we are fantastic in the way that we have led this church, but if there's anything that both Matt or I could attest to, it's the importance of taking risks, making bold choices in the face of things that, by all accounts, should have told us to stay put. From the very first moment that we started our, collect, our, our individual churches, and then the moment we decided to come together and merge, the moment Matt talked about last week, you know, all, this, all the steps of moving into this space. I mean, there have been choice after choice, risk after risk that we have taken. And with each risk, it felt like we were stepping out further and further onto some very thin ice. And yet, here we are today. There are churches today that are wondering, what is it going to look like to move forward in the midst of a new era post-pandemic? And I don't know. Nobody has those answers. What I can tell you is this, though. The same God who has led us through the wilderness of the past 10 years, from portability as a church, setting up and tearing down, meeting in schools, the same God who led us through building this facility in an old abandoned lumberyard, it's the same God who leads us into the unknown. In the words of that song that we sing, we, he calls us out upon the waters into the unknown. Those moments where our feet fail and our faith is tested, we have to cut the rope. One of my favorite authors, Thomas Merton, says this, do not be one of those who, rather than risk failure, never attempts anything. Don't do it. To wrap up, I'll throw a little bit of a softball to some of those of you who came out of a Catholic background. Um, uh, you may be familiar with uh, this phrase, if I were to tell you, sins of omission and sins of commission. If you ever had to do any type of confession uh, to, a, to a, a priest, and you know that there are sins of commission, things that you commit, things that you do, stealing, lying, uh, murder. Those are sins of commission. Those are acts that you commit. And then um, there are sins of omission, things that you don't do that you could have done, right? So it's the opportunities you have where you could have spoken up to perhaps save someone from losing their job or perhaps tell an important piece of information. But instead of doing that, you didn't do it. And you may have thought, well, I, I skated by. I didn't do anything wrong. And in the, in the Catholic Church, you know, the, there's the understanding that, that sins of omission can be just as dangerous as sins of commission. James 4.17 says it this way, Whoever knows to do the right thing and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now, I'm not focusing on this idea of sin because this is not for us to beat ourselves up with guilt or condemnation. But it's pointing out for you the important fact that 
Just because you think that you are where you are and it's safe and it's comfortable and that not moving forward is okay because, well, you know, I got to where I am and this is a good place to stay. It can be just as dangerous for you as stepping out and doing something wrong. That sin, sin of omission is something that can hold you back from your life. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to, to cut the rope. To think about what is it that I need to step out. What safety net do I need to remove so that I can move forward into what's next? You see, our greatest regrets, I believe, at the end of our life are not necessarily going to be the mistakes we made but will be the moments that we missed. Because we were too busy or too comfortable. They will be the opportunities that we left on the table because we were too scared or too distracted. Friends, don't. Don't trade comfort for courage. Don't think that safety equates to a life well lived. We may be forced to step out into some uncomfortable situations. We may make some risks and find that those risks don't always pan out. But don't use that as an excuse to stop taking risks. Keep doing them. Cut the rope. As you go back and maybe read Deuteronomy chapter 1 and 2 this week, as you kind of refresh yourself with that story of the children of Israel, remember that these stories in Scripture are stories to give in to inspire us and remind us that we are like them. And all of us have found ourselves in places like the children of Israel where we are caught in between a past that we have escaped, but we have not yet fully stepped into where we're supposed to be. And we're in that limbo state. And we grumble and we complain. We tell stories about how dangerous it is out there and how we should just stay put. Friends, don't trade your safety for what God has in store for you. Cut the rope, make bold choices, and discover the things that God can do in your life when you do. Can I pray for us? God, we as a people humbly acknowledge that there are so many times when we are paralyzed by fear, disabled by all the things that could be. And because of that, we make safe choices, but they're not necessarily the right choices. There are risks that we don't take. There are moves we don't make because we are too paralyzed by fear. God, we pray that you would give us courage and boldness to step boldly forward into what you have for us. And we pray, God, at, at the end of the day, that when we look back in our life, that we would not regret those moments that we missed because we were too afraid to cut the rope. May you infuse us with your spirit of boldness to step out and to keep moving 
and even when we fall, to pick ourselves back up and to keep moving forward into what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.